podcast where we, a real-life mother and daughter duo, rewatch Gilmore Girls and discuss the misadventures of fictional mother and daughter duo Lorelai and Rory Gilmore. I am Tessa Dare, a writer and the author of the paranormal mystery series The Karans and Chronicles and Beth's Daughter, and I have had only one coffee today. Um, and I'm Beth, Tessa's mom, also a writer. Tessa and I have been talking about politics and art and culture pretty much since she could read. Sometimes these conversations have taken on a marathon quality, so last year it occurred to us that we should move our discussions to the digital world, maybe even into a podcast. The Gilmore seemed like an obvious choice because the story resonates with us. I was a single mother of a teenage daughter attending a private school we could not afford. And many of the show's plot lines touch on topics that we like to discuss. So here we are. I am in St. Louis. Tess is in Seattle. I did have one large cup of coffee today. And, and it's a good, good thing that I stopped there because I was listening to episode 12 last night, or this morning, and I had clearly had too much coffee. <laughs> so <laughs> There's no such thing. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep my voice down today. Set back for the microphone a little bit, but anyway. <laughs> uh, and we now have a Patreon. If you would like to support us on Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash where you lead. It currently doesn't have any uh, or that many extras on it. I think it's got our trailer on it currently, but I do have a couple. We've recorded a couple of extras, and I just need to edit them and get them up there. And get them up. And we've been a little yeah. busy because Tess is getting married in June. I and am. we've been, she's been very busy with that. She is, you know, she's keeping up with the regular episodes, but the extra stuff may have to wait. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I'll get it up there soon. All right, so every week we start off with a synopsis of the episode along with the date it aired before heading into our discussion. Today we are discussing Season 1, Episode 18, The Third Lorelei, which originally aired March 22nd, 2001. The Third Lorelei refers to Trix, Richard's mother. This episode, I mean, I, I, there might be a there's, a... there's a line in the episode that might be a joke about this, but when they referred to this woman earlier in the series, they were absolutely talking about her as if she were already dead. Second or third episode, yeah. Yeah, they, they they talk about her as if she's already passed on. So she's she's not dead. She just lives in London, uh, and she has come to visit. Actually, she isn't there. She isn't here primarily for a visit. She's here to check on their investments, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and also talk to her lawyers. And while she's here, she might as well go ahead and visit her son, who, as far as we know, is her only child. And other like final weirdness, she's basically only here for a weekend. She she stops in for a weekend. She's come all the way from England for a weekend, but she's a very difficult person. And I just yeah. want to point out here that I was probably halfway into the episode before it clicked for me that I knew this actress. So I oh, kept yeah. looking at her, thinking she looks. So familiar. Where the hell do I? So I stopped it at some point and looked it up, and it's Marion Ross. And I, Marian I don't know Ross, if you know yeah. who Marion Ross is, but she she's an incredibly talented actress who has done lots of weird roles, including this one. And actually, she's got another role, a move, movie coming out. And I want to see real quick how old she is. She, she's ninety four. Thank you. Okay, so she's ninety four and looks great. I mean, she's like the 
Betty White of, of sitcoms. But she, you know, Happy Days was a TV show that aired from 1974 to 1984 and starred three, uh, well, two future filmmakers, Ron Howard and mm-hmm. uh, Henry Winkler. Mm-hmm. And it got me to thinking about it. Yeah, Ron Howard, Henry Winkler, and Rob Reiner were all in sitcoms in the 70s and all became fairly good film directors in the 80s 90s and beyond they've you know obviously rob reiner and and ron howard have done a lot more and they but they've mostly done that they haven't really gone back into acting whereas Mm -hmm. uh henry winkler has continued to act and is in some kind of weird show right now but anyway he still acts he's all you know he acts all the time and marion ross has a movie coming out so (laughs) it's kind of crazy but anyway but i the craziest thing is that i was halfway through the episode before it clicked for me who she was and I thought I know this woman and she is a chameleon she's the kind Mm -hmm. of actress who can slip into a role and you don't even realize that this is the woman who was not Opie's mother but what was his (laughs) name in 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 happy days I am not gonna be able to pull that one out uh Richie Richie Cunningham's mom in happy days and Happy Days aired in the 70s, but was about the 50s, right? Yes. Yeah. So my little piece of trivia about Marion Ross is that she was in Happy Days, and then she was also not not a main character, but she plays, I think it's Red's mother on that 70s show. She plays a grandmother yes. on that 70s show, which was a, a show that aired in the 90s and was about the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. She's been, yeah, yeah she's really... She's really good at this. And actually, what is the show she's in right now? I'm pulling it up. Viral Vignettes. She is a wild actress. I really love her. Yeah, I mean, she she's really good in this episode, despite the fact that her character is, like, pretty unlikable. Oh, yeah. It's, she's terrible. I mean... She, she she makes Emily look like a saint. Oh, she does. And, and Emily is a saint in this episode. She yes. really is. But yeah, so that we open with Friday dinner, which at first appears like it's not going to have Grandpa Richard at all, but then he shows up halfway through. And how many episodes ago did he have his heart attack? I'm not sure. A, a couple. Why would she start dinner without him? I was a little, I thought that was a little weird i mean i I assume because it's like 7 p.m and he's not home yet and was already supposed to be home uh but well, we do we do start with them being really quiet and then emily unsurprisingly kind of expresses a desire for their family to be the same as the kennedys yes i have a cold open at the grandparents dinner table where nobody has anything to say except mm-hmm. the kennedys so okay. it's like no we're not the kennedys we know we don't have these great conversations well you know were, were you a, a mosquito on the wall or a fly on the wall? Because in the, in yeah. what you're getting this from the Kennedys reporting that they yes, did this. You, you, you know, are, they probably, yeah. It is kind of fascinating that these yeah. three intelligent women are sitting there not talking to each other. But what the reason is, I, is they and they they talk about it. Is it's been a rough week. Lorelai has had a rough day. At the, in fact, we started one of the the early scene is with her. Or is that coming up? That comes up. Yeah. Okay, that's coming up. So she's had a rough week of work, and then uh, Rory has this big project that she's working on. Oh, that's yeah. the next week, though. She just well, had a rough week, week at school. I do think Rory Rory's project has started, but we're also coming off of Rory's breakup with Dean in terms of the overall show thing. I did also just want to mention that, uh, like, first of all, I love the teal suit that Emily is wearing, but also it looks like she's dressed like Jackie Kennedy. It, it's she very, is. She always it's, is, though. She, she always, she always does. is. Kinda, yeah, but I feel fact, like that suit in particular with the like bright color just mm. screamed Jackie Kennedy in the pink suit to me. <laughs> Did she have pearls on? I didn't. I didn't notice. I don't but... think she had pearls on, but it was just it was just like a bright teal suit with like matching skirt. 
It was great. Well, and, and the next week when Grandma's there, she's got the same suit on in navy blue. You notice that? It's <laughs> yeah, almost exactly yeah. the same suit. But anyway, so Richard, she's, she's teasing them. They're clearly tired. You can just see the weariness on, yeah. on their faces. And she's hyper and, and chipper, and she, but she doesn't have a job to go to. She's not in mm-hmm. school. This is the highlight of her week. So she's a little disappointed that they, they don't have anything to talk about. And then Richard makes his, his appearance, his comes in late. Yeah. Also, at some point, Emily calls to their maid, and their maid is named Siri. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's where they got it? Because it's the, the closed I mean, captioning spelled it the same way. The thing is, I like I doubt that this maid lasts beyond this one episode. So mm. I don't know if you were naming well. your futuristic servant robot after a Gilmore Girls maid, you'd have a lot of names to choose from. You would, you would, but they, and it could be that it's, it was supposed to be Suri, S-U-R-I, I didn't look it yeah. up on IMDb, but the closed captioning was spelling it as S-I-R-I, as, which S-I-R-I. is kind of interesting. Yeah. But they start talking about Trix, is that her name? Yeah. Grandma Lorelai, Grandma Lorelai. The original Lorelai. The original Lorelai. And Richard is so excited that, and that's why he's late. He's been talking to her on the phone in the other room. Mm-hmm. And he is so excited that she's coming for a visit that he doesn't shut up while Emily is sitting there trying to find out when because she's panicked. And mm-hmm. there's a reason why she's panicked. Well, there's two reasons. But she finally gets a word in his wife and she says, will you guys shut up and let me talk? Yeah. And, and so Richard says, well, well, what? And she said, when? When is she coming? Mm-hmm. And he tells her, and then the conversation resumes, and Emily gets up and leaves the room, and nobody notices. You know, we think she's upset, and she is upset, but she's also worried, because she has got a whole basement full of crap mm-hmm. that her mother-in-law has sent her or given them over the years. She, these are not things that she wants to have on display in her home. They have very, diff- very different tastes and decor. Yeah. But she has to find stuff, and she's got a week to do it. And so she's panicked. She also, that's one reason. The other reason is she really hates her mother-in-law, and you can't blame her. The woman is awful. She's just awful. I don't know, and I'm saying this early, but I don't know how Emily puts up with her during the entire episode. And, I mean, she is is very quick to criticize other people and to let people know when they've overstepped their bounds. Why doesn't she do it with her mother-in-law? She puts up with her and is kind to her and patient during the entire thing. I assume that it's for two main reasons. The first is that their dynamic predates Emily as she is now. They must have met when she was much younger, when she first met Richard, and Trix is the one who has the power in that dynamic. The the main other reason, I would assume, is because Richard seems completely blind to how terrible his mother is. I'm guessing that when Emily has tried to, you know, bring up how terrible she is before, Richard has probably not listened to her. He does not seem to notice any time that she says something awful. Well, and the thing is, he's the only person that she that she does not say something awful to. She is awful yeah. to her daughter-in-law, to her granddaughter. Is she not awful to Rory? She's kind of nice to Rory, but she is mean to both Emily and and Lorelai. Yeah. I mean, insulting. Just cruel and insulting. It's, it's cruel. It's not even just snide remarks. They're yeah. outright insults to their intelligence, to the way they dress, to the choices they've made. And they're clearly designed to be as demeaning as possible. Demeaning. That's the right yeah. word. And she's trying to be demeaning. She's very... Yeah. And the thing is, she, they're not good enough for her her son, I think is the point. And you can understand that about maybe, for, you know, this certain 
level of society. You can understand it with their daughter-in-law. Although we know that Emily comes from an old money mm-hmm. family, has a great education, is an intelligent woman. She doesn't deserve any of this. Yeah, it's kind of confusing why Trix feels this way about Emily because she does. it does feel like she treats Emily as if she's poor white trash or something. Yeah, and she's not. She probably has, and we've, we've, we've gone back and forth about this, but her blue blood background, maybe even better than theirs is, she's a DAR member. I mean, yeah, she's a member she, of her DAR. family's been here a long time. They, ha- they have wealth and status and nothing. These are the things that you and I put in any any credence in, but yeah. but for for that level of society, I don't understand why she would think. That. So what I have to assume is that no woman would be good enough for her son. I think that's what we have to assume. Yeah, I think she's just kind of a walking stereotype of a bad mother-in-law. She is, but why does she also take it out on her granddaughter? That's what I don't understand. I think because she sees some of Emily in Lorelai. <laughs> And that wrinkles her. And we see it too, but they yeah. don't see it. They don't because want to see it. Lorelai is much more similar to Emily than she is to Richard. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we do get that scene of Emily freaking out in the basement. Lorelai comes down to see what's going on. And that's when we find out that Emily needs to put all of this stuff back. And when we see those bizarre dog statues that Lorelai keeps casually chatting to... <laughs> As she's trying to figure out why her mom is freaking out so much. She's trying to bring the conversation back to these black <laughs> to dog the giant sculptures. dog statues. There's two of them. And then, and then we then we find out that they were in the bedroom. That they had, oh God, she, yeah. they had been given to her for their bedroom. And, and Emily kind of makes an under her breath kind of comment at some point. That I couldn't stand those dogs looking at us. Looking at us, yep. So... She so she everything went down into the basement. It's a nice basement too, and yeah, they, they have a, a wine cellar like a in the wine background. Cellar, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, but uh, and then at some point she's talking about the second and the third floors. So I'm like, okay, so there's a there's three floors in this house and a basement. Wow. I mean, it it does look like a large house, and that sort of tells us that we have probably not seen the majority of the house. Well, in the conversation between them, Lorelai is like, "Why are you so freaked out, Mom? The last mm-hmm. time you were freaked out." Well, she 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 says. I've never seen you this freaked out. And Emily says, yes, you have. She came to visit when you were 12. You were 12, and that's the last time she visited. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. that was, yeah. So this whole situation, we have great sympathy for Emily in this scene. I'm still, you're still a little confused because we don't understand. We haven't seen her yet. We don't really understand why such a strong domineering really woman as emily who's who runs the show wherever she is can feel intimidated by somebody i still even having finished the episode don't really understand why she doesn't just punch this woman in the face that's what i wanted to do the whole time and it's like there's no redemption for this woman yeah there's there's no redeeming scene she never has a a scene where she seems at all human at all uh kind nothing comes through she is total terror and Emily puts up with it from beginning to end and I just don't I don't grasp it (laughs) I think it's one of those things where like she can't she can't really like cut this woman out of her life she's married to her son you know and and she could tell Richard she could point out to him the things that the woman is saying I am a I am a little bit bothered that we Mm -hmm. don't get a single scene of her trying to explain to Richard how terrible his his mom is and he doesn't see it he does not see it even when she's talking to to well he doesn't he doesn't see it with her or or Lorelai and of course she doesn't speak that way to Rory and maybe she is she's probably a smart enough woman she's figured out she better not insult her 
granddaughter, because that our great granddaughter, because that's going to bother Richard. Richard has bonded with her. Yeah, well, and she isn't even really that mean to Lorelai until the final scene, which Richard is not present for. Oh no! When she she's talking down to her about her job and how she's had to borrow money, and you know you're you're just working at an inn, you can't make much money. But there's there's some snippiness going on there. I mean, she, I I I don't think that either of them would actually see that. Well, let let's let's get to it as we come to it. Okay. But I don't think right. that either of them. I think the way that she talks to Lorelai about her job at first is actually extremely flattering in a way that even. Uh, Emily never really is but let's let's get to mm-hmm. it as we as we yeah. come to it because we cut to the B plot which is a school plot it's kind of a Paris plot I guess it's also a Tristan plot but yeah so we, we cut back to school and Rory Paris Madeline Louise Tristan and two other boys who are completely unnamed are yeah. in this group together where they're putting on a presentation where at, at first it seems like they're just supposed to come up with a government but eventually it becomes clear that they have to come up with a government specifically for an elizabethan time period is that what it is i never could figure out what what they were doing yeah well there's a line later on where it they they say something about like what's appropriate for the time period because i was kind of confused at first it's clear that they're coming up with some kind of model government i was just not sure why they were doing a monarchy but there's there's a line later on about how like it has to be appropriate for the time period i don't understand the whole premise behind the assignment okay students create a model government and you can use ones that have already existed that is the whole assignment makes no sense to me yeah the assignment is pretty weird i'm not sure that i ever had to do anything exactly like this um i will say in this scene for once the character that i identify with the most is louise who is just kind of uninterested in what they're actually doing and says i want to be the lady in waiting the one in the low-cut blue velvet renaissance dress yeah i was like yep that's that's where my interest is as well um but paris of course is taking the concept and running with it and has already designed their flag and pretty much the whole project paris being paris she's just Mm -hmm. she's a a born leader organizer strong-willed and louise is louise the blonde yes okay so she's the one that says it's i think it's the second scene where they're, they're, they're talking and she says something and Paris says to her, yeah, well, thank you. Thank me when you get your Sarah Lawrence acceptance. Yes. So <laughs> she is, she's definitely helping her two friends to keep their grades up. Yeah, that does seem to be it. Uh, but yeah. And so in this scene, kind of the emotional important thing that happens is that Paris tries to assign Rory and Tristan to be king and queen. And they both kind of freak out about that. Rory, especially, and Rory insists on not being the queen so instead they make Madeline queen, but Tristan is still king. And at the end of the scene, Paris and Tristan, or actually, I guess they kind of cut away and then they come back. But there's some weirdness between Paris and, or sorry, between Rory and Tristan. And they have a conversation. At, they take a break, I guess, and they go out and talk. Maybe they're done for the day. I don't know. But they go out and talk. And it's actually one of the most mature conversations I've ever seen Tristan participate mm-hmm. in in this show where they actually, he doesn't want to do it, but, but. Uh, where we forces them to and they they talked through the kiss that they had at the party Mm -hmm. after both of them had broken up with their boyfriend girlfriends and they're both very sad we talked about this in the last episode um they're sitting in the piano they're talking about it about what had happened and then he reaches over and kisses her 
and they talk about it because they're they're awkward with each other now because and neither one of them is ready for a new relationship which is also mature on Tristan's part which I didn't see coming I I have a hard time parsing him in this scene because he's certainly acting like he's not ready for a new relationship but then the end of the episode implies that he does in fact still have a crush on Rory so I don't know if this is him being honest or if this is him finally realizing that he can't just like openly go after Rory if he wants her because she's definitely not ready which I guess either way is a little bit of emotional maturity for him because the bar is so low and the the sad thing is is that he and Paris well she's too good for him but he would be lucky to get Paris because she's beautiful she uh, worships him she's smart she would help him as a life mate goes because it might not last that long because I think she would outgrow him at some point but he could do way worse she could not she's going to do much better but yeah Tristan, I mean I, the thing is like you know I, I I have a lot of sympathy for Paris in this episode but there's also a part of me that's just like honestly I don't think it would be a good idea for her and Tristan to be together because she worships him so much i think you know in order for that relationship to last at all she would have to spend her whole time catering her personality to him and i don't think that would be healthy for her and it wouldn't it wouldn't last and relationships that are built on an imbalance like that research shows do not last and Mm -hmm. so so tristan in, in the in the conversation with rory she suggests to him that he ask out Paris. For all the, she gives him all the reasons, you know. She adores you. She's a really interesting person. I think you'd enjoy it. So he decides, okay. And and he asks her out. And of course, afterwards, I I thought he really was going to I knew I knew he's still Tristan. I'm not, you know, blind to who Tristan is, but I but I thought, well, maybe he he thinks this this is a good idea. So he's doing this. But then they go on their date and it, you know, they have a good time, but it's not enough for him. And, yeah. and it is because he still, he really is in love with Rory. But that's, that's in the future. So what's happening first here is that he does go and ask her out. And, of course, as soon as this happens, I'm thinking this is not a good idea. She's going to find out that Rory suggested this, and she's going to be mad and hurt. She's going to be very hurt. And, of mm-hmm. course, that does happen. It is an interesting note about Rory's particular level of emotional maturity, though, because she mm-hmm. understands that Paris likes Tristan. And in her mind, there's no reason why Tristan shouldn't like Paris and that the real problem is just that he hasn't given it a chance. Yeah. And it just, like, you can see that she thinks that she's just doing a good thing, that she's doing Paris a solid by getting him to ask her out. And it just, like, doesn't even occur to her that Paris would would hate this. So the other thing that happens in this scene is that they're talking about, they have a good conversation. They, at least Rory feels better about it when it's over. Tristan looks like he does. Could be that he's putting up an act. But she said, the last thing she says to him, okay, Lewis, this, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship, and he does not get it. And I'm sitting here thinking, Tristan has to be the only person on the planet who doesn't get that reference. I didn't get the reference. I knew she was making a reference, but I don't know what to. Yeah, what is it? What is that a reference to? It, it's Casablanca. It's the very last Never scene. Never seen it. You, <laughs> okay, now wait a minute. We watched <laughs> it together, didn't we? No, we didn't. <laughs> Casablanca is considered by many people is considered by many people to be the greatest film ever. So I know I've I've known this for a long time. My my interest has just never been high enough to actually go out and see it. I mean I'm not I'm not saying it's the best the greatest film ever made. Probably early in the the film century it what well, probably was it was it's there's nothing there is nothing wrong with this film. It's it's an incredible film. 
Anyway, so I was really surprised that, that he did not get the reference. Because even if you're not seen the film, you, sh- you should know the reference. It's there, they're standing. It's been the, the, the clip is, yeah. has been shown so many times. It's he and, and it's a famous actor whose name is not coming to me right now. But they're standing at the plane after Ingrid Bergman takes off. And I can't tell you why she's taking off. But anyway. I know the whole plot of the film. Like, okay. Just because right, I haven't right. seen it doesn't mean I haven't absorbed. <laughs> so, I know no. everything that happens in this film. That's and part of why I've never car- seen it. Okay. So, and he says, Louis, this is the beginning of a, of a great friendship. So, a, brilliant, a beautiful friendship. So, anyway, I was pretty surprised at that. And we've now talked about this for five minutes. So, uh, Lorelai gets a call at work. Their computer system is acting up. Uh, and then she gets Is a that call. that late in the scene? I thought that was, like, early no, in the we're, episode. No, we're cutting back and forth. But we already talked okay. about a scene that came afterwards. So, I'm just going to okay. summarize okay. and then keep it moving. Uh, but she gets a call from Emily, who's freaking out and wants her to bring this hat rack that she pushed off on them because it was originally from Trix and it is yet another thing that they need to display so that Trix doesn't freak out and my main question about the hat rack because we then get a quick scene at home where Lorelai and Rory meet up again and then they get in the car to go over to meet Trix and we get a shot of them in the car with the hat rack in the back and then we see it when they take it out. It is gigantic and we have never mm-hmm. seen it before. So my question is where have they been where keeping was it? it? Under the house? So I a couple things on this and they call it a hat rack but it's a coat mm-hmm. rack. It's a coat rack. I mean because yeah. the arms are really big. A hat, I've never even heard of a hat rack but I'm not sure why they're calling it that. But my first thought was when they were t- when they were on the phone and they're cutting back and forth, you know, showing them on either end of the of the phone call was as Lorelai was questioning her mother. I'm thinking, you got rid of this, didn't you? Just like you've gotten rid of all of her other guests. <laughs> yeah, I, I kept thinking that you're, too. You're, you're postponing, but but she hasn't, mm-hmm. and it's kind of extraordinary that they've held on to it. And it's really gross and ugly, but at the same time, even though it we haven't hideous. seen it in their house, I'm thinking this is just gross and ugly enough that it's kind of kitschy that, yeah. and I could see her wanting to put it in her house somewhere so anyway uh, but they had to yeah. get it back to me and it's like brass or something it's really heavy yeah it looks it's huge it looks really heavy uh, it looks like the kind of thing that would be fun to put in like a haunted house or something <laughs> Emily does say that she, she Emily tries to describe it and she says like it's got dragons or weasels or some type of lizard type animal that you hang your coat which weasels are not a lizard no uh, also when we finally dragons see aren't it, either i i tried to pause it to see what they were and they looked like cherubs to me it, it actually oh yeah looks like it's that's what they were cherubs mm-hmm. so emily is completely <laughs> misrepresented this hat rack. well she was so offended by it she didn't even look at yeah. it she just tossed it off to her daughter and in the comment the thing that that lorelei keeps saying to her is you gave me a gift that somebody yeah. gave you that doesn't sound like my mother Mm -hmm. yeah emily who was offended at the concept of leftovers yeah but yeah but yeah so they they do show up and we finally meet tricks and as per usual the first thing that she says when she sees lorelei and rory is that they're tall same thing richard says they're tall (laughs) they're so tall well okay and i want to back up about about the the coat rack thing is and I'm going to call her Grandmother Lorelai because Trix sounds a lot like Tristan to me. So mm-hmm. just so you know, readers, there's a Tristan and a Trix here. I, they never say why they why 
Richard calls her Trix. It's, but anyway, yeah, it's just his name for her. It makes no yeah. sense, yeah. So Grandma Lorelai is German. And so a lot of what her she's, uh, how Marion Ross is portraying her, depicting her, is with this very stiff German approach to everything. And so, of course, she gave them a bronze, almost statue-like hat mm-hmm. rack, coat rack with cherubs on it. It mm-hmm. looks it looks very Germanic to me when I when I was looking yeah. at it. So yeah, it's, anyway. it, to me it kind of looks like one of the pieces of furniture from Beauty and the Beast that comes to life. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's the candlestick. Looks like the candlestick mm-hmm. that comes to life. Yeah, that's exactly right. Lumiere. But yeah, so they're tall. Same thing that Richard always said. And from that moment on, all I have about that entire scene is Grandma is a fucking bitch. <laughs> that's that's in my notes. That's all I, I have. have and I have a she's couple awful. of notes because it, it. I do think the first scene with her is. kind kind of interesting because she is not immediately mean to Lorelai. My main note on the first scene is that surprisingly she seems to lo- to like Lorelai a little bit at first. I mean, I think it's because initially she's seeing them as reflections of herself and Richard because one of the first things she says is that obviously they must be in good health because they take after her side of the family and her side of the family never gets sick unlike Emily who's always sick and Emily Emily's never protest. sick. I know, Emily right? is never sick. Uh, but she does have a headache at the moment. Well, you think? And <laughs> Trix responds with, Gilmores don't have headaches. Our heads are perfect. And then, so she kind of gives Lorelai the third degree to sort of find out about her because the last time she saw her, she was 12. And uh, she actually seems impressed that Lorelai supports Rory on her own and has a job that requires hard work. And what she says is, hard work is good for a woman makes her stronger. I admire people who enjoy hard work, which I'm partly noting because later on she says women shouldn't drive. So I know. she thinks women should work but not drive. But so not how drive. are women supposed she, to get to these jobs? She when calls they work a car hard? yeah, she calls a car for them to go to high tea so because women shouldn't drive. Because women and, shouldn't and, drive. And at that point, if it were me, if it were you know, if Emily were being herself, she would have turned to her mother in law and said, I am going to drive. You can mm-hmm. call a car for yourself. But yeah, so then uh, then we they, they move into the dining room to have dinner. Trix makes a, an insulting comment about how Emily doesn't have dinner on time, which is just, it, it's yet more of this weird continuation thing where everyone seems to think that Emily is responsible for the work that her staff does. We, this has happened over and over again where someone compliments Emily on the meal and it's just like, Emily didn't make this. Her staff I think it's, I think it's, it's a wealthy thing. So I guess the, yeah the, the people the people that you hire and how you supervise them yeah and what guidance you, you give them it yeah it's a reflection of you but also in that particular scene Grandma Lorelai sends sends her daughter in law off three times mm-hmm. to get things and. Yeah. Uh, Emily goes off and does it. She scurries off. And it, and, and it's just like, and as soon as she does the third thing, she brings back in plates and napkins, uh, napkins for them to, to so they can eat the the nuts. And then Grandma Lorelai just ignores that, stands up and says, time for dinner. Yeah, she says, good for you. Like Emily went and got it for herself. <laughs> and, and it's not her home. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, this is Emily's home. You don't decide when dinner is served. Emily yeah. does. Even, yeah. and I, I don't adhere to these kind of standards, but that. That's what I have. I mean, you know, if I have a guest in my home and they, they stand up and say, time to eat, really? 
That's yeah, rude. No. <laughs> yeah, it is rude. It is rude. And she continues to be rude all through dinner. At some point, oh yeah, Emily makes the mistake of mentioning that Rory is going to go to Harvard because they're all talking about how proud they are of Rory. And, and Emily says she's going to go to Harvard, which Trix immediately jumps all over and says, Harvard, but Richard, you're a Yale man. Which she says it in this like really rude way as if there's like a real quantitative difference or qualitative difference between Yale and Harvard. But it it is... A, a thing that has come up a couple of times now where someone or other has questioned whether or not Rory should actually go to Harvard. So what we what we don't know yet is that Emily went to Harvard, isn't that right? Yes, we Emily went to Harvard. They, mm-hmm. Yeah. And and actually to, it maybe next season or the second season they they go and do a, a college visit. Maybe it's a third season. But it's but they go and do a college visit and there's a portrait of her. And it, this is a real strong memory for me. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of these episodes I don't remember. Yeah, I think this it's one like is. she was valedictorian or something, right? Yeah, and it's a re- and yeah. she's probably given the school money, but it's a reveal. Yeah. Uh and it's an interesting reveal because Emily or Emily probably graduated in the 70s. And I'm not sure when Harvard admitted women. Women. But yeah. Um, they had a Radcliffe, I think, was Harvard's female, where the women students mm-hmm. went to, and so I don't, I can't remember precisely if she's a Radcliffe grad or Harvard. They're, they yeah. kind of consider it the same, but they don't mention it here that it's Yale that Richard went to, so therefore she's got to go there. But Emily is the one who went to Harvard. Yeah, and yeah, and it, it, it's been pretty clear so far that Lorelai and Rory are set on Harvard for like nothing having to do with Emily. They're just set on Harvard. Oh, kind Harvard of is the first American, yeah. the oldest university. Yeah, it you know, when people think of American excellence, it's Harvard. It's not Yale. Yeah. Yale is second. Always has been secondary to Harvard, even though you and I don't see any difference. Then the the final insult of dinner. Trix leaves before dessert and Emily asks her if she wants dessert and Trix's response is I once visited a small village in Cambodia. I did not have dessert there either. I don't even know what that means. What does that even mean? I mean, it's just it's just extremely classist. She's just she's saying that like visiting Emily is the same as visiting a a third world country. Like that's what she's trying mm. to say. I, I mean, okay. I will say if if I visited a small <laughs> village in Cambodia, I, I would absolutely have the dessert. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> Oh my god. It's so it's it's it, but it's the, one of these double things where it's like she's both insulting Emily by using this like racist classist reference and she's also revealing that she is a person who was so privileged that she's been to Cambodia and she absolutely did not appreciate it. Yeah. So it, it's it's a very revealing line. <laughs> if you've been to Cambodia, you've been everywhere because it's mm-hmm. not some place that's on most people's radar. So so yeah, she's a she's a terrible person. I just yeah. And Marion Ross gets a hand of applause for me. She's yeah. just she did a really good job with the role. Brilliant. She yeah. just she brings it off. She is hateful. She's got it. She's got it down. So uh, so we do get a brief scene at at the school again. Uh, and once again, I'm identifying with Louise because they had to come in early on a Saturday, and Louise is basically trying to take a nap on top of the desks. Uh, and she says to Madeline, I'm going back to sleep. Tell Paris I hate her. And that's when we get <laughs> Paris coming in and saying, you'll thank me when you get into Sarah Lawrence. When you get into Sarah Lawrence, yeah. Yeah. But she, but when Rory gets there, she is, she comes prepared. She brings pastries. Coffees. Co- lo- not just regular coffees, large coffees for yes. everybody. Large and coffees. What? And it seems like she took everyone's order because she hands Paris something very specific and says like, mentions like soy or something. Like she got Paris yeah. what she knew Paris was. 
would want. What she so she's either very observant and she I think she's the, I think the point is that she's very observant and she has has observed what these girls and guys drink in terms of their coffee and that's impressive. Yeah. She also brings these weird pastries. What were they the shape of? <laughs> They're donuts shaped like clowns, I think. I don't know. It was weird. I didn't yeah, write I, did, it down. I didn't write it down, but yeah, they are they are donuts and I think they're shaped like clowns and yeah, and that's oh and the main other thing that happens is this is the scene where tristan actually asks paris out and she comes in and tells the girls and she's clearly very excited and then we get a scene that i guess is kind of a continuation of this scene because then we get rory at home where she's studying and i do just want to point out that lorelei lorelei comes in really briefly she's on her way to go to dinner again at the grandparents house that rory has gotten out of because she has this schoolwork to do and lorelei as she's home tells her that she defrosted a chocolate cake for her and it's in the other room and we do actually see Rory eat it a little bit which means that canonically today she has consumed coffee donuts and chocolate cake that's what we've seen Rory eat today and (laughs) for once we did actually see her nibble the donut in that scene and yeah, the cake. we did. We did. And did you recognize the cake? Because it's a no. frozen cake that she thawed for her. And I kept looking at it and I said, oh, man, this is a Sara Lee chocolate cake. Uh, because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's oblong. It's in like a I tin. Mean. Yeah. So it's, it's a Sara Lee chocolate cake that I have had a couple of times. I read somewhere that they were really good. You have to defrost them, though. They come frozen. And they are good, but they're not that good. I mean, there are other there are other choices in the frozen food aisle that are better, but this was but maybe in the early two thousands this was a very popular kind of cake. So anyway, I mainly remember Sara Lee. Did, didn't they do like a, a, a an oblong like cheese Danish kind of thing? I feel like that's the main thing that we ever got from Sara Lee. It was round. It was round, and it was, was it so round? good. Yeah, okay. and you would you we'd bake it, and it yeah. was uh, it was cheesy and had some a few. No, it didn't have nuts on it because your brother wouldn't eat nuts. So yeah. it was just, it was very <laughs> cheesy and flavorful cinnamon. I still get it once in a while. It's yeah. a whole, whole hell of a lot of calories. So, but we would slice it and, and eat it with, you know, ice cream. It's really yeah. good. That's, that's the Sara Lee you want to get. Yeah. My two main memories <laughs> from Sara Lee are that and the fact that I went through a minor identity crisis at the age of eight. Oh, yeah. And did not, there were two, uh, my, my given name is Sarah. And there was another Sarah in the class, and she was a Sarah with an H, and her last name started with an H, and I just got real pissed off that I was known as Sarah T, and she was just known as Sarah, because I was like, if anyone should have their initial on their name to make them the lesser Sarah, it should be her, because she's got two H's. So (laughs) my way of dealing with this as an eight-year-old is, I went through a phase where I signed all of my papers, Sarah Lee. I don't have a Lee in my name. I don't know why this was what I wanted to do. I remember that. That's what I did. I remember being very frustrated by it, too. I think I even brought it up with your teacher. I said, she's really sensitive about this. Wasn't there somebody at TJ that was a Sarah there? No, TJ TJ is the one. Okay. Okay, there was one year where we had a girl in class who was also a Sarah, but I was there first. So I was the real Sarah, and she was known Sarah last name. I won't say it because doxing yeah. but uh she was known yeah. by her full name and i was sarah so that was the one time that i think that was when my uh sensitivity about it finally faded because i finally got to be the one true sarah <laughs> but when you were in grade school you started off together and so for, yeah. for them to choose to call her sarah and you sarah t was very unfair and i guess because it came alphabetically because her last name was h yeah. 
but it, but it was it was a sensitive point for us for you and I, I so I I it, was yeah. sensitive for me too because I could see it bothered you and I I mean I don't really care at this point I I'm well the big much... issue being that when you were born we gave you one of the most popular names on the planet which we didn't know at the time because it, we loved I loved that name I loved it since I was in high school I always knew I wanted to name my daughter Sarah so every other woman my age apparently had the same feeling about the name because there's quite a few Sarahs in your age cohort so yeah uh so back back to this the show so yeah so while Rory is sitting there working on her schoolwork and eating her cake Paris shows up uh and she has apparently brought her entire wardrobe, which is not very many pieces of clothes. <laughs> and Rory almost immediately takes her up to Lorelai's closet to go and look for a new outfit. And <laughs> one of my main notes, I, overall, I liked this scene. I thought it was a nice, it's, like, bonding very moment sweet. Yes, for the yes. two of them. I mean, you know, Paris is kind of all over the place in this episode, but this was a nice scene. <laughs> so the first shirt that Rory pulls out is, like, a shiny, satiny pink. And Paris says, my mother says the color pink makes my head look small, which is an insane thing to think. Uh, just more evidence that Paris's mother is a, is a terrible mom and a crazy Terrible person. mother, yeah. My question about the scene is, why does she go to her mother's closet instead of her own? I think most of what Rory has are like jeans and sweaters, which is okay. fine, but I do think that Lorelai dresses a bit more hip than Rory does. And, and I would make the point here that they are dressing her up for a date. And I maybe it was the era I grew up in, and I, I would today probably dress a little bit better for dates but when i was that age i wore jeans i wore jeans and sweaters and so so this is this is obviously 20 25 years after i was their age so but it was a a little odd to me that they were i mean this is not the first time it's happened before where we went some of these women have been preparing for dates and they're putting a lot of makeup on and they're they're dressing up and i just never did that so i don't i don't I, I mean, I think it. I think this show really likes scenes of girls getting ready together, so yeah, it kind yes. of always builds that in. Also, yes. just from a character perspective, I do think Paris is really nervous about this date, so she wants to look as nice as possible. And I could see her feeling that jeans are not good enough, even though they're just going to a movie. But I mean, well, I'm, I'm with you, but I think for Paris's personality, it does make sense. And she also says, you know, she only has one lipstick and it's really pale. So they pull out a a red lipstick for her, which does look good on her. But again, I didn't wear makeup in high school either. So I would never have worried about what lipstick I was going to wear. But here's the big thing for me that I love about this scene. The big reveal is that Paris is Jewish. I don't think we've had that before. So, and she's talking about the time she, her back. The only time she her dressed up was for her bat mitzvah. Yeah, so, the, the, the only piece of clothing that she didn't bring with her was her bat mitzvah dress, which has menorahs on the collar. <laughs> that was a great one. Yeah. Uh, but but so they're bonding here. They're doing girly girl stuff. And I do like that. And Paris does need to relax a little bit. Yeah, so this is it's not just that she's getting something to wear. Rory is really helping her to relax and to enjoy the moment, I think. Yeah. But yeah, and, and that's a, kind of that whole scene. Rory leaves, or sorry, Paris leaves. Uh, and then we cut back to the grandparents' house where Lorelai and the grandparents and great-grandma Lorelai, <laughs> Trix, uh, are eating. And Lorelai says that she liked the meal. And Trix reveals that she brought the rabbit with her from London, 
which is insane in itself. And then she says, London has the best game. Now, I would understand if she said England has the best game. I would still think that's kind of a wild thing to think. But she specifically says London has the best game, which I feel like is tantamount to saying New York City has the best hunting. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) London is a city. (laughs) Exactly. That's a very good point, actually. That is, that's an excellent point. I didn't pick up on that. My thought about it was, yeah, they do eat rabbit in London or in England. We don't Mm -hmm. really eat a lot of rabbit here. I mean, it's not, we have a lot of rabbits, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, but we don't tend to eat them for the most part. It's almost considered a country thing or a really high, high end, you know, restaurants will serve rabbit. But it's not a big thing here. So, of yeah. course, she had to bring it with her because yeah. Emily might not have even been able to track down Rabbit to cook. So Yeah, although they do sometimes eat weird stuff at these dinners. So who knows what Emily squab. can track down. Yeah, squab, squab a couple weeks ago. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but so then uh, at the end of dinner, Trix basically starts kind of chastising all of them for being involved in money lending because Lorelai reveals or is pressed into revealing that the grandparents are helping to pay for Chilton. And Trix is like really bothered by this and starts quoting Shakespeare. Shakespeare said, neither a borrower nor a lender be. Don't you think Shakespeare was a wise man? And and the person who says that in, is it Hamlet? Is it Polonius that says that? He's he's an idiot. He's an idiotic character. So he's somebody who shouldn't be giving anybody moral advice. I think it's Polonius, but it could be wrong. But But yeah. Also, during Shakespeare's time, there was kind of this whole weird anti-Semitic thing against money laundering. The Mm -hmm. Jewish population was often the people who... I mean, there's a whole Shakespeare play about it. The Jewish population were often the people who did money lending, which was actually because Christians couldn't do it because of weird I don't remember all of it but like it was actually harder for Christians to lend money so it ended up becoming this thing that Jewish people could do because they actually could do it I think it was that they could do it at lower rates than Christians could and then it was held against them and then it was held against them exactly usury was against the yeah yeah usury yeah yeah. so So they they were doing it because they were kind of pushed into this position to do it and Mm -hmm. then it became held against them and started feeding this anti-Semitic trope well multiple Mm -hmm. anti-Semitic tropes about Jews people so it's just like that specific you're talking about being and she is money lending she's german and, she yeah. is german <laughs> and so you're talking there, about there's... money lending and you bring up shakespeare as your evidence against it and i'm just like i know you're not actually saying anything anti-semitic but this feels extremely anti-semitic it's very anti-semitic yeah and it's just stupid it's just because she turns around and offers to pay for everything so mm-hmm. it, it's like we all know we we know, we've known from day one that Lorelai is never going to pay this money back. She says it's a loan, but by the time she gets to a point in her life where she's going to be able to pay back, and we're talking probably fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a year for three years—that's a lot of money—to be able to pay that back. Her parents are going to be at death's door, and they're just—it's just going to—you know—she's going to inherit everything because she's their only child. Yeah. So it, it's just—it's we've always known it's not—it's not really alone it's yeah. just the only way that Lorelai could could accept it so yeah it's the only way that Lorelai could accept it for her pride and mm-hmm. also it was a way for Emily to push her into these Friday night yes. dinners which is yes. part of uh, which is a big part of what's happening in this scene because basically Trix offers to set up a trust fund for Rory and you can kind of see in Emily's face that she immediately thinks that this means that it's going to end her relationship with 
Lorelai yeah. because she still believes that she has basically coerced Lorelai into having a relationship with her using this loan and she's really worried that if this trust fund happens that Lorelai will never talk to her again. And yeah, she I has think reason a, to feel this way. She did, I think there's a lot going on in this scene. She's really, yeah. really resistant to this. I, I think she sees that her mother-in-law uses money to yes. control people. And I don't yeah. think Emily really does that. She has done it in this instance only because she wanted to have to rebuild her relationship with her yeah. daughter. And I think that is justifiable. She does not normally use money to control people, but her mother-in-law does. So that's one thing that bothers her. Another thing is that it, she's afraid of losing, losing her daughter, not getting to see her again. She loves being a part of their life. She loves being a part of her granddaughter's life. She, she's afraid that's all going to go away. And also she genuinely does not like her mother-in-law. So yeah. to see her stepping in and doing something that her daughter and granddaughter are going to beam over or going to see as being this wonderful thing, she doesn't want her mother-in-law to be admired by the by her daughter and granddaughter. That's not something she wants them to be able to see what a horrible woman this woman is. And yeah. they do see it. They, they There's no doubt that they see it. But also what is amazing to me is how quickly Lorelai jumps in and says, oh, that's wonderful thank you she doesn't reject it now yeah. Lorelai is somebody who rejects people trying to pay for things all the time I mean I think it's because it's positioned as a trust fund for Rory I think Lorelai will take the money for Rory I don't think she would take it if it was for herself but because yeah. it's for Rory and because Rory is you know Rory is living this kind of upper crust life now she's in Chilton every day she's around mm-hmm kids who have who have trust funds who have access to this kind of money kids for whom taking a jaunt over to europe is no big deal and lorelei wants rory to be able to fully take part in that i think she also thinks that it might get her out from under her mother's thumb because she still sees this as being under her thumb but what she doesn't realize is that that her grandmother has a much bigger thumb and she would be under her thumb all the time and i think a trust can be can be revoked so i it's just not a good idea for her grandmother to do this. And any way you look at it, her parents have plenty of money. If she, if, if Rory needs anything, they will get it for her. I, I do feel like the thing that I felt during this scene was, okay, this kind of removes any financial tension for me. Like, to me, this scene solidifies the fact that Lorelai may have lived a lower middle class life for the past few years, but that is not the financial boat that they are in. Regardless of whether or not this specific trust fund gets set up, she has access to a massive amount of money. And, and yeah, al- like, always and, will have. Always yeah. will have. And, yeah. and we have not seen, like, we don't see that Lorelai has any cousins. Like, it kind of seems like she is the only, she and Rory are the only ones who are positioned to inherit this so unless grandma tricks and the two grandparents go out of their way to donate all of their money to charity right lorelei's getting something yeah she's the only child of an only child of a wealthy Mm -hmm. family so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of money here and she knows she's going to get it and and even if she doesn't she's not worried about it because she also knows that even if her, her parents and her grandmother Give all their money to charity. They're still going to make sure that that they're that Rory gets some money. Yeah. Lorelai's that word for herself. She grew up with wealth. She doesn't care about money. She's got a nice lifestyle. She would not mind probably for her daughter to have some money. But yeah. at the same time, she starts having doubts once uh, yeah. her mom starts talking to her. So you want to tell that part? 
Yeah, so the thing that Emily says is, if Rory has that money, she won't need you anymore. And I I felt like Emily was very much talking about herself. What she means is, if Lorelai has this money, she won't need me anymore. Yeah. But she does make a couple of those good points that, you know, if Rory gets this money at at the age that she is, you know, it, it could just, it could change their dynamics. She could want to leave the house immediately. And even though Lorelai says that she doesn't really believe any of these things, it does kind of get to her. And then in the next scene, she's talking to Suki about it. And Suki pretty much immediately picks up on the fact that Lorelai intentionally did not tell Rory about the money yet and seems to not want to tell her. And then Lorelai admits it's because her mom got in her head. And interestingly, the thing that she says at the end of that scene she says i have to change and go to tea with gran and the cast of gaslight which is what gaslighting the term gaslighting is referring to the movie gaslight mm-hmm. i'm i'm just i kind of wonder is this the first time that gaslight was used in that way i don't think there's any way of, of knowing that for sure but it is I interesting because at this time we did not use gaslighting as a term the movie recent, did yeah. exist yeah mm-hmm. so it was just uh basically Lorelai is saying that she thinks that emily gaslit her which is not really what happened because Lo- emily did not convince Lorelai that something had happened that, that hadn't but she did say something that successfully manipulated Lorelai a little bit well something that they're not bringing up here too is that grandma has said she's going to put it in a trust for her a trust usually stipulates a specific age at which you can withdraw the money usually it's 21 or 25 it's almost never 18 yeah so what you know so what was she planning to do give her a trust fund that, that she can access at the age of 25 how's that going to help her with children's expenses now she she did say that she would have her be able to access it now so that she could okay. pay for children okay all right but yeah but it is a little bit weird and we don't find out how much it is until the end of the episode it's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars yes it's just not really a lot of money so, yeah, not not if you're supposed <laughs> to pay for private school and college. That would basically just cover, cover it. college. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. just college. Like, it wouldn't cover Chilton and college. It would just yeah. cover, if you're well, going now, to Harvard or Yale, it, it would, would just cover that. And it would it would grow, because it's probably going to be in a, in a stock somewhere. But still, yeah, it's not a lot of money. Now, in the year 2000, I maybe mean, they thought it was a lot of money. I, I think, know. well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we are talking 20 years ago. Like, I, I think it's a lot of money if you don't have to pay for college with it. Yeah. But if you're using it to pay for they, college. You're not going to go to Europe. No. Yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, she's talking about buying a car. She could buy a yeah. car. She could go to Europe. Like, yeah, you could do, do those that. things. But then you could not pay for college. College. <laughs> and she's not going to be eligible for fin- financial aid. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rory is in a position where she is probably not going to get any financial aid because there is so much family money. Although not in her mother's bank account. So maybe she would. True. But, you know, we, we know of somebody that we won't mention by name who you went to college with who had a trust fund but he couldn't access it yet oh yes i yeah. do remember who you were talking about yes so there's there were all kinds of and he got some financial aid so yeah and that happens that's what's a money that's one way that rich people do it they put money yeah. into a trust fund they can't access it so they, mm-hmm. they qualify for financial for aid financial aid yeah that's really not fair so and then we do get a quick scene between emily and richard where she finally kind of admits her actual fear to him and she does say i don't care if she she being tricks thinks i'm the whore of babylon so in this scene emily does come close to talking to richard about how poorly tricks treats her but again it's very clear that he kind of doesn't believe what she's saying richard is a weird character sometimes he just feels like extremely oblivious oblivious 
Like, I, I, yeah, I feel like you could take any single thing that Trix said to Emily and just point to it and be like, no, she said this. She compared having yeah. dinner at with Emily to having dinner in Cambodia, and she meant it in the racist, classist way. And, and Richard sits there in all of these situations that we've seen in the episode, listening to his mother with a big smile on his face, mm-hmm. sitting forward in his chair and, and like almost yeah. nodding his head and saying, yeah, 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 isn't my mother wonderful? There's just this look on his face. And, and I realize that he doesn't get to see her very often, and it's his mother. That's true. But she is just insulting, one insult after another to almost everybody in the room, never to her son, though. Although I will say, okay, so this is when she comes in and says, I've ordered a car. Women shouldn't drive. Uh, and then she walks to the door and she did. She is the character who got my one laugh out loud moment because she walks to the door and Emily doesn't immediately follow her. And then from off screen, we just hear her go, I shall die soon, you know. <laughs> and Mar- Marion Ross, great <laughs> delivery. Great delivery. <laughs> She's played other characters like that. I want to say that I have seen her do a German, you know, frumpy German, strict, rigid character before, and I can't, could not tell you where. But it's, but as soon as I realized it was Marion Ross, I was like, oh yeah, she's done yeah. this before. She's got that character down. Oh, and I did kind of, I, I didn't mention this in the scene, but in the scene where they were having dinner, she does have this whole spiel about how once you go to Europe you see food differently and it's just it's such a it's such a rich person thing to say but she Mm -hmm. also says it in this distilled way that to me just made it so clear what an absurd thing that is to say Mm -hmm. like you can you can't possibly have truly understand how food tastes until you've been to europe are you kidding me especially because if we're gonna go with stereotypes she lives in london and most of her European experience appears to be London. Of all of the places in Europe, England is not the one that's known for the good food. <laughs> no, it's really not. But I think there's also just this, this I don't want to say it's a trope, but it's a tradition of looking down Europeans, looking down yeah. on Americans, specifically in a, in a lot of different ways, but, but, but specifically with, with our cuisine. I think there's also a tradition among rich American people of yes. going to Europe and then looking down on American cuisine. Yeah, and and, and you know, the, America has talked to some chefs about that because there's mm-hmm. a lot. There's a great rich. I mean, uh, restaurant tradition here. Yeah, and... there's a whole wide world out there, and Europe is not mm-hmm. the only place that has good food. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's funny because up until the last 20, 25 years, I think there was a focus in this country. Chefs would focus on European foods. Yeah. But now you see a lot more Asian restaurants. Yes, for sure. And, and American restaurants. Yeah. So And it's called local local sourced or locally sourced food well you're talking about farmers so if you're if you're gonna (laughs) you're gonna get some rabbit game or you know local produce from a local farmer that's american food You, you can you can make italian dishes with it but for the most part those restaurants have focused on creating new american cuisine and and it's it's delicious it's wonderful Mm -hmm. so once again i would never defend american exceptionalism but i also hate how that whole attitude that americans can't do anything right we're somewhere in the middle (laughs) yeah i mean they're both kind of exceptionalism in different forms right different forms yes (laughs) 
So yeah, we then cut back to school where Rory's attempt at matchmaking just blows up in her face. Uh, Tristan tells Paris that he does not want to go out again. And then he reveals to Paris that Rory is the one who told him to ask her out. And Paris is not happy. And, you know, Tristan tries to be kind in letting her down. He says, but yeah, it was great. It, you know, we, we could go out again as friends because for him, this did not work. It was not, yeah. for her, it was great. Probably the greatest experience of her life so far. She got to go out with the boy that she's loved for so long. But then to find out that it was Rory's idea and to also realize in that same moment that he is still very much in love with Rory is, you could just, the actress is great. This actress yeah. is wonderful. She, she, she gets this look on her face. Of just incredible hurt, also incredible understanding. She knows exactly what's going on here from all different directions. And she is understandably upset with Rory, who once again has fumbled something. Yeah. She should have kept her nose out of and it. I, I think part of the thing is that Paris has known the whole time that Tristan likes Rory. Yeah. Uh, She's like that has informed her ability to relate to Rory from yes, the beginning. She, it has. she has always known that Tristan likes but her. He, but here, way. I think she thought that she could trust Rory. That's why she went yeah. to her house for clothes because for sure. she was going to be able to go out on a date with with Tristan. Yeah. Uh, so he was clear in her mind, giving up on Rory, so she could connect with Rory, and she did connect with her. But yeah. it's but it's what it wasn't the case, and she, it's all. It's just a, it's really a painful moment for her and for us because we like Paris. And then Rory does talk to Tristan and we, I think we are finally seeing Rory get it. She finally seems to get that Tristan likes her, which you'd think she would have gotten this much earlier, but I guess at least she's finally catching up. There's a kind of a look on her face when he says that he likes someone else and uh, she says, oh, so you're still hung up on Summer. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's it. But it's, a, it's in such an unconvincing way that you kind of see her realize, oh, no, that's not what he means. I, and, you know, I'm not sure if that's going to carry forward, but it seems like in that moment, Rory finally gets that Tristan likes her. Tristan likes what he can't have. And he, so that's why Paris will never be of interest to him. Yeah, true, because she's so available to him. But also at this point, I think Rory has shown him more genuine compassion than most people have. She has. They've connected, actually. It's kind of yeah. interesting. Um, um, all right, and then, and then we get we cut to the the scene at high tea, and oh boy, this scene! First of all, I've actually had rose tea. Lorelai uh, looks down her nose at the rose tea, but I've actually I I did a birthday party at a, a high tea place one time, and the tea that I got was rose, and I thought it was fantastic. I'm sure it was, but here's the thing: my mind, if I go, to, if I were, I've never been to a high tea kind of place i've been invited a couple times haven't been able to go and my first question is always do they have coffee too because i do actually yeah i'm not a tea person and and i would i I just don't it's not my thing i will go i love all the other parts of it i will go if there's coffee (laughs) to be honest the re the thing that i like about high tea is actually the food uh because yeah cute cute little Little desserts and like sandwiches sandwiches. yeah 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 and yeah and I, i really love that you get like a sandwich that's like super thinly sliced cucumber and like cream cheese i love it it's very simple but 
delicious. I, I like I really like the food at high tea. Yeah, and it and it's an unusual thing in this country. We don't have yeah. high tea. It's a special thing. You usually take your daughter at some point when they're when they're young. In England, they have tea in the afternoon all the time. All the time not, yeah. I don't know what the difference in tea and high tea is, but tea, from what I understand, is like a snack in the afternoon. Uh, it's not lunch. It's not dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, a, a very small mid afternoon meal. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah, and but, but high yeah. tea. What is what's the difference in that? Is it just because you do it in a special in a fancy place? I I don't know. Use China. A lot of the the ones that I've been to are in slightly fancier places, and they bring the food out to you on those tiered trays. Yeah, uh, yeah. and it's like it's a very set selection of food, and they do have like really specialty teas and you get your own little pot usually yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can have okay. multiple so usually what i do is i just drink coffee beforehand because i need the caffeine but i do like to try some of the teas um, especially because you know they have all of these like guidelines for how you're supposed to do it so like they'll tell you which teas go better with a little bit of sugar in them and uh, okay. uh, all of that so that you usually oh, I can't get, like, imagine. A, a complex menu sugar and, sugar and tea to me sounds just horrifying but <laughs> Actually, the only time I really enjoy drinking hot tea is in a Chinese restaurant. That's that's it. For some reason, mm, that works tea. for me, but I don't like it any other time unless I, you know, I mean, I just don't. I'm just not I mean, a tea I person. I really like a London Fog latte. So, well, that's a little that's bit different. It's got other flavors in it. True, and, true. Yeah. yeah, and actually, I usually get um, in Seattle. I usually get what's called a Seattle Fog latte. Uh, a traditional London Fog latte is Earl Grey tea uh, with cream and vanilla syrup. Uh, a Seattle fog is the same thing, but with lavender syrup as well, because we have. So okay, much I was going to say they probably they add a they add a, a shot of coffee in it, right? That's because it's Seattle. <laughs> I think that's if you want a dirty one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I want I want my coffee. So the the thing about this is though it, it is a very sweet thing, and and yet the the conversation that breaks out is not sweet at all no it's so like contrast between this yeah. this delicate experience that they're supposed to be trying to have and then the grandmother is you know just like you would expect her to be yeah so it, start, it starts with Lorelai and Emily having uh, an argument because I guess Trix is in the restroom uh, and yeah, Lorelai right. shows up and she and Emily kind of immediately have an argument about the money and that is rough enough but then Trix returns and overhears them and just immediately turns on Lorelai. And this is when she kind of reveals that, like, yeah, this money absolutely would come with strings and she is ready to use it to control people. Because basically she Mm -hmm. comes in and says, well, you guys have caused such a scene that I no longer think that you're responsible enough for this money. And Lorelai tries to tell her, no, Rory is the one, is the one that the money would be for and Rory is responsible and Trix just doesn't want to hear it and leaves. And Emily, you can see immediately regrets her actions. She did not actually want to take this away from Lorelai and Rory. She just, you know, was kind of in her own feelings about it, which makes sense. She's having a tough time having this woman in her house. Mm-hmm. So Emily tries to do what she can to undo it, but Trix won't listen to her either. And then she offers to call Richard and see if he can get her to offer the money again. And Lorelai basically says, no, it's okay. You guys are still paying for Chilton. Like, it's fine. I don't need this money. And they actually have a nice moment at the end of it together because you can see unlike like i feel like this scene really exemplifies the difference between emily and Trix, which is like mm-hmm. emily 
may look down on Lorelai and and may sometimes try to manipulate Lorelai, but as soon as she realizes that she's gone too far, she changes her mind and feels regret. You you can see that Emily actually mm-hmm. does want what's best for Lorelai in and of itself, even if she sometimes have a hard, has a hard time expressing that. And yeah, she is she's being attacked by this mother in law. Yeah, nonstop yeah. from the beginning of the from the, the time she shows up, she's it's happened before. It's she's got a history of being under attack from this woman. It's hard for her to think straight in these, yeah. in these situations. And yet, I, I'm sitting there thinking, this woman withdrawing this offer of a trust fund is the best possible outcome for this entire situation. Nobody really needs this money. And she's yeah. going to use it c- to control all of you. Yeah. And it's not a lot of money. Uh, we yeah. didn't know how much it was at that point. They hadn't revealed it. But, um, and, you know, Richard and Emily have a lot of money. They're, yeah. they're, it's just a, it's a, just a, it's, it's a moot point. They don't need this. And they certainly don't need this conflict, especially when they're still really in the first year of rebuilding their relationship. You know, and I realize that, that Emily as mother, as, as Lorelai's mother, you know, that comes out in her at this, at this moment. That's the first response she has. Her first immediate response is, oh, no, what have I done if I mess this up for my child? So, yeah. but, but then she eventually hears what Lorelai's saying and she relaxes and realizes, no, this is the best possible outcome. And then we hear <laughs> Grandma Trix saying, what did she say about to get to get her out to the car? She said, um, I, 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 I mainly remember that Emily says, well, I, I better go or she'll leave me behind. That's it. That's it. And, and, I'm, and, and when I, I'm hearing that, I'm like, no, Laura, I can take you home. Rich could come get you. You could take an Uber. There was no Uber then, though. So <laughs> yeah. like, but, but at the same time, you, you can drive. You are yeah. not your mother-in-law. You but have. She, she did go with her to the place, so I think she didn't. She didn't drive herself, yeah, so she is there in the car. Laura like yeah. taking her home. I mean, that's you know, she but she feels an obligation to make things happen the way her mother-in-law wants them to happen. To let her yeah. have that control. I don't understand that. It. it seems out of character for 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 Emily. And but then they all leave, and nobody plays pays the damn bill. Yeah, so. <laughs> Rich that people, was my man. who paid for the high tea is my last question for no this one. episode. No one paid. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. We get one final scene between Rory and Lorelai where Lorelai shock reveals you lost out on a quarter of a million dollars today. Yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. And her daughter is not at all bothered by this. So they just they traipse off. So this was an episode where we did not see Luke at all. So and, or nor anyone really from the town, I don't think. True. So yeah. It was a school yeah. episode and a family episode. Yeah, school um, and family. And my, my only summary I have is I was a little depressed over this episode because uh, as awful as Emily can be, Grandma Lorelai is way worse. Way worse, And yeah. nobody, nobody stands up to her. And, and yeah. I was just really shocked at that. And I think even in 2001, that is just not believable to me. And, and I realized that Emily comes from a culture where, you know, women have, quote unquote, have a, their place or whatever. And they, it's, they, you know, they, they do volunteering and they, and they have parties and, and whatever. But, and she hasn't worked outside the home except for her volunteer stuff. And, but she did go to Harvard. She is a smart woman. She's very capable. She's, she's extraordinarily smart. And she is, she can keep up with her daughter's witty 
one-on-one stuff all the time. She never backs down with from that. She never backs down from her daughter or from Richard. Yeah. And she's and she sometimes even isn't really kind to Richard when she doesn't back down. But she will not I, I just don't get it. I don't I don't know why she doesn't stand up for herself or Lorelai or Rory. Well, I guess she doesn't have to for Rory, but Lorelai, she, she doesn't, she never stands up for them. And I, I don't get it. I, I do not understand it unless they're setting up something for later on. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I did briefly look at Marion Ross's IMDb page, and it does say that she is in a grand total of six episodes. So she, the character does come She's up She's coming again. back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but we know that she does normally live in London, so I'm just going to assume that part of the reason that Emily doesn't stand up for her is, or for herself is that she knows that she only has to deal with this woman once every couple of years, and maybe it's just easier not to. And maybe it's that she's tried to have this conversation with Richard before, and he's been completely unreceptive to it, so, you know, kind of a learned helplessness thing. Like, she knows there's no making it any better, so she just tries to get through it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe she it would just cause too much conflict in her marriage, and she doesn't want to do that. But there are other issues with which she she doesn't hesitate to to embrace the conflict. So I I don't get this one. It just it's it's kind of crazy. And and you know maybe it's just that it it works for the storyline. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but but it's not one of my favorite episodes. And she, even though I love Marion Ross, she did a great job. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I'm I'm grinning just thinking about her and and you know and. and you, you don't even recognize her at first. I mean, and she's got makeup because she's older. You know, she's 35, 40 years older than she was in the 70s. But still, it's, 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 she's got her hair pulled back and this pale white makeup on. And, and she's talking in a high, semi dramatic, high pitched voice, very rigid. She does a great job. But I, because I yeah. really hate this woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. So, all right. So well, I think that's all. Yeah. Back to your list. This is all for today. Uh, I'm Tessa Dare. You can find me at my website, tessadare.com. That's T-E-S-S-A-D-A-I-R.com, where you can sign up for my email list, or you can follow me on Instagram at author.tess.adare or on TikTok at author.tess.adare. And if you want to support us on Patreon, we are at patreon.com slash where you lead. And I am Beth Von Buren. You can follow me on Instagram at STL underscore writer underscore Beth or sign up for my weekly Substack email Saturday morning musings at STL writer Beth. I'll run together dot substack dot com. This has been Where You Lead, our fun and terribly witty podcast about the Gilmore Girls from the perspective of a mother and daughter. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll tune in for our next episode in two weeks. See you then.